Welcome to another episode of SparkCast. We're going to be starting here on our second look at another show with robots. We have finished up Mighty Orbots, and now we're going to be taking a look at the Batman animated series episode that involves some robots called Heart of Steel Part 1 and Part 2. And I bypassed introductions, but introduce yourselves, everyone. This is Thomas. Charlie. And so let's uh, just get right into it. Let's just start with a brief summary. Heart of Steel 1, this is from the Batman animated series from 1992, uh, 91. This is still part of the first season. Basically, a robot decides to replace all living creatures, all living creatures in power, I should say, with robots. But that's not really the plot of the actual episode. It's more of a... Someone keeps stealing stuff from Wayne Manor all the time, and Bruce is trying to figure it out for half the episode while trying to date someone he doesn't know is a robot. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, like, before we get into anything robot related, this is one of the slower episodes of Batman. Like, the first episode was just really slow. I thought I didn't think it was slow. It was it was mostly straightforward. It was straightforward, but there are elements of it that really kept me engaged. And I'm sure we'll get into that after. Was it the amazing Batman versus robot tentacle briefcase battle? Nope. Okay. There was was (laughs) something in there I did appreciate, though. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I had so many questions. uh, And this reminds me of why... I used to watch Batman, but also why I probably eventually stopped watching it. <laughs> I don't like I've, that. Why would you I say have, something like that? Why would you? I, this is, this is a Batman fanboy episode only. <laughs> <laughs> no criticism, only praise. I, I just, hey, there's all these things that are like, I mean, does Wayne Enterprises train their um, security to handle, you know, suspicious packages and such? Or. Or do they all just walk up to a suitcase and fling it open and be like, oh, there's some notes in there? Like, uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they thought like someone uh, just the briefcase there and forgot it. I was like, not with the way she's walking. She clearly just put it on the ground and left. How stupid of a security guard are you? She clearly left it there for a purpose. That uh, sexy uh, broken android walk. (laughs) Broken android. Or, or what about the fact that in behind security, somehow Bruce was able to put a secret room in the security room just in case he ever needed to become Batman on the first floor near the entrance of his building? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was touch. It was fingerprint activated. Nobody would have found that. Okay. And wait a minute. That's that was another question I had. Does I mean does Bruce Wayne hire special contractors to build his uh, buildings or something with? you know, like, secret rooms in every room just for him, and they're sworn to secrecy about it. Like, yeah. Signed a contract that they'll never reveal the location of the secret panels. And when anybody needs to look at it, like the fire inspectors are like, wow, this floor plan sure does have a lot of dead space on it. I guess these are just <laughs> ports or, or I, I don't know. It's like there's a 
square here. It's just an X, and then there's another one. And usually uh, this would be a plenum space, but I guess it's not a plenum space. It's just you can't get in there. It's inaccessible. Well, Bruce would have fudged the uh, the length to make that blank space look like that's actually how big the the room is, right? Oh yeah, he could do that. <laughs> I mean, he could throw money the, at all the problems. So what about the the shed on the roof where he keeps his bat wings? I mean, the janitors <laughs> never asked for access to that. Like, dude, I, I smell something in there. It might be a a dead animal. I need might need to get in there and, and clean that out. Do you know where huh. the keys are to this? this oh my god, thing? what are these bat wings? You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a perfectly valid explanation for all of that. I mean. Batman is, he's got a lot of time on his hands to brood, and he's very skilled and has a lot of money. He can fabricate all that stuff himself. He doesn't need anybody's help. He contracts assassins to kill the contractors of his place because he can't <laughs> actually kill them. But, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or he has a mind wipe device there. You never that actually, remember this is, That's it. actually funny that Charlie brings up that point because there's actually... <laughs> I just finished watching an episode of an anime called Onihei about like, I don't know, samurai cops back in the day. And one of the standalone stories is about an old guy. He was, um, they call it a theft working thief. And basically he just, he acts as like a carpenter working on like houses and stuff like that. And they build in secret panels and stuff to, to break into the house without a trace uh, wow, once wow. the house is completed. So it's funny that Charlie brings up like Batman getting contractors to build all the secret stuff in there. <laughs> Sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of, he says for, okay, he says the robots are being made with protein silicon as AI. And he's like, oh, it's also called wetware. And I'm just like, how accurate is this now or when it was made? Because in the commentary, they said that this is really outdated by now. Sounds like oh. a line of bikinis, Master Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the scuba diving Batman figure outfit on sale now. I thought he was talking about his wings that were all soaking wet. That's wet wear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alfred ended up making that same joke. But yeah. yeah, I would say the term wet wear is outdated. I mean, you never hear it. So I believe it was just something that you really just saw in like science fiction books back in the day. And so you guys don't know with working with computers all the time what wetware or protein silicon chips are? So wetware is, (laughs) no, no, it's not even a straight up like IT thing. It's just like. I can't remember what the term wetware means. The term wetware will come back in vogue when we're closer to making cyborgs. Yes. (laughs) And then that'll be called the skin you put on the cyborgs. It'll be called wetware because it's just, you know, a bag of wetty flesh being put on the head. You know, it's like Chobits. They're, you know, waterproof for everyday life. I thought it was funny. He's like, machines that think with a will of their own. And yet I won't care about their will. I'll just blow them all up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's funny. Yeah, that that whole explanation of when I forget who he was talking to. It was Lucius he was talking to. Commissioner Gordon and they're just their like basic explanation of let's get the the audience caught up on AI. It's just a really basic explanation. I, I thought that was pretty amusing. That's what made me think when I was mentioning earlier, I saw a special feature on the Tremors DVD or Tremors Blu-ray that just came out and they showed the short film of what the people made before making actual movies was educational videos. And one was a robot helping a girl with her book report. 
And he's like, I can't help you because I'm only a robot. I don't know how to make creative decisions like writing this report. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. <laughs> so he's got to teach her the steps so that she can use her human creative brain to do it herself. I can only True understand AI. my programming. <laughs> like AI can only do so much. I mean, it's machine learning. Is I mean, m machine learning is it's much. not complete. It's not completely representative of AI. I mean, that's like just the basics, really. It's just yeah, but altogether, AI is just a culmination of algorithms that are. I mean, you only have you can only go in like linear paths down things. You know, like you you can't really make an ethical decision or a creative decision. I guess unless it involves like some kind of randomization or something. But like if you told like a a tesla to hit a puppy if you have to swerve to avoid a baby you know it's okay to hit the puppy when the baby is needs to be avoided but <laughs> but you have to teach it's, it it's, that it, right it won't know on its own and plus it's an ethical decision to make it can't just decide okay what what has more value here the puppy or the baby unless we assign a value no, it's not what has the most value it has what's has the most value to human society so that i will not be reprogrammed or destroyed for my actions <laughs> yeah <laughs> the one thing i thought was funny is bruce is basically dating a robot and the thing that's not quite clear the guy who russum who created the the, the computer ai who's this gigantic computer like because this is supposed to be like set in an unknown time period but the computer is gigantic like three stories high like a 1950s computer takes up half a room so but it's uh this ai that basically he originally created but then his his daughter dies in a car accident and they mention that he tries to make it is the girl robot that bruce dates is that his daughter in robot form just following hordax orders he introduced her as his sister but or his sister yeah he never, like, they never reveal that whether i'm like is this like astro boy but in batman so and but instead of being like because she seems like she has a personality and will of her own but she is always following hardax orders and but yet she acts just like a human and can pass as human unlike say <laughs> unlike gordon robot who's just oh. like it's fine <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. It's like he was just pumping out the robots to do his plan now and didn't bother to take the time to make them as good as the first. Did you guys think that this was his you know, daughter or sister, I guess, that died in the car accident and he just made a body in her image of the robot? Anything to like suggest that or infer that, which they could have. They could have put like a little hint in there somewhere, like maybe a family picture and she's in it or something, you know, or, and well, no, they he, didn't really they, yeah, he didn't go that far. It, it seemed like he, this was just another effort. So it, it, the death of his daughter did spur this on, but he didn't, he wasn't intending to replace her. He just wanted to be able to create the technology to have replacements. So he, I guess he just wanted to put that out there, but not necessarily re replace his daughter. So he could have made the robot a woman that he could interact with and, and like teach like a daughter or something. He could not have, actually yeah, be a specific he... daughter or in his image because it's not really clear. Like because you never he never tells Bruce that this is a robot. In fact, he's like, well, fine, go and date my robot. You know, 
He yeah, that as his sister. He said, <laughs> "Like this is my sister, whatever her name was, Miranda or Randa. I can't remember what her name was." Yeah, but it was, um... it was Randa, and yeah, that is that actually I didn't think about that, but yeah, he because he knows that she is a robot, and he just <laughs> lets Bruce do that, which I guess in a way I kind of get because Carl. They don't say it explicitly, but he's not supposed to be. I don't get the vibe that he's supposed to be necessarily like, I don't know, bound by societal norms and stuff like that. Like, it seems like he's content to just live his hermit life and, you know, everybody else should embrace robots and AI as much as I have kind of thing. So <laughs> to him, it probably wasn't a big deal. And he just wanted to, maybe he even if he did think it would be normal, he probably would still say nothing just to kind of have another person buy into the idea that robots can just they, they are great replacements for humans that he could reveal ha it was a robot all along and you ever knew and now yep. you think it is a person so now you won't blow it up right that guy kind of reminded me of corny from corny's factory on um mr rogers <laughs> little bow tie and well, no. See, <laughs> this is we got to stop. We got to pause right now because I, before this podcast, I asked Sean a specific question, and he said I asked him about what was discussed on the commentary for this episode. I asked him about a specific movie, and he said it was not mentioned at all. And now Charlie's talking about a character reminding her of another character that has nothing to do with what this this whole episode was about. These episodes are. Well, I mentioned Astro Boy. And you mentioned what what cartoon? What are you mentioning, Charlie? I don't know what. Mister Rogers. Corny from Mister Rogers. Corny's Factory. <laughs> the guy was it was I don't I never watched Mister Rogers. Was there a robot in no, the show? No, there wasn't a robot, but there's an inventor named Corny, and he was oh, like, okay. I think he was like a, I don't know what kind of animal. He's some kind of rodent, maybe a rat or something. And hmm. he um, <laughs> he had a little bow tie and a little lab coat on. How did he speak? Did he speak always, similar? He yeah he had like some kind of cornball southern accent. Exactly. Yep. So that's his a, it's the same factory. thing. It's the same thing. Well, so, what made what movie this, did you think of from when watching this, Thomas? This all all of it is based off of Blade Runner. If but, people think it's just a coincidence, then they're wrong. I'm going to tell you that the character Carl Rossum is voiced by William Sanderson, and William Sanderson played a character in Blade Runner. That was this exact character. He was a he was a guy who lived in apartments by himself, and all he did he so in Blade Runner, simply put, there's you know humans, and then there's replicants. Replicants are basically like androids, but they're very close to being human. And the whole bit is that like you know replicants want to know that they're human, like they they don't know that they're replicants essentially, and they're you know they're fighting to understand their existence and convince themselves that they are human. William Sanderson plays JF Sebastian in that show and the way he talks in this is how he talks. I mean that's just normal voice and that's how he talks in in a lot of different shows and that's this role. So in in, in Blade Runner he he goes off on his own. He's no longer doing the replicant thing, but in his apartment complex that he lives in by himself, just like Carl Rossum, he creates a bunch of different toys they're all mechanical but they have organic elements to them hmm. um i don't remember that part of blade runner but yeah. now I go back so and you, look at you it, don't remember, do remember the, like the, the uh it was like a toy, a, female, a, like a toy the... soldier that was walking around in his apartment it looked lifelike but it was a toy it was mechanical essentially 
don't um, quite remember, but like the the woman who was in the it's been so long since I've seen the movie now, but um, I feel like one of the women, well, the main character, what was happening in that scene? I can't remember, but that she was probably some kind of android. And not well, yeah, human. she was. Like she, you're she probably talking. I think her name was with... like. So there was I one character is Pris. Um, mm-hmm. she was. A replicant. I mean, most of the I, I don't I I don't I can't recall a woman in that movie that had that was actually like a relevant character that wasn't a replicant. They were all yeah, robots. It's just like an android <laughs> with human memories, though. Like she had memories of stuff that, um, yeah, she shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not only was that right on the nose, we're like we're just gonna we're just gonna have a Blade Runner character play his Blade Runner uh, character. <laughs> But how is the plot? The plot isn't the same as Blade Runner. Like, there's no well, replicant no, no, no. revolution so, I, trying so, to overthrow humanity with themselves or well, control no. Humanity. But Blade Runner is very influential in that it was more than just a plot. I mean, all, there was okay. a lot of themes in Blade Runner that inspired so much in science fiction, like my favorite anime, Bubblegum Crisis. It yeah. inspired the Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, there's so much. The list is huge, but particularly in this episode, what's being inspired is the concept of robots being lifelike and whether or not you can tell that they're human. Like if they pass as human, can we really question whether or not that they're just robots or human? They go yeah. into that a lot deeper with the, um, his Silicon soul episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but, cause but I remember it's, it, it's all there. It's all isn't, there. Isn't the end of blade runner. Now remember the only version I've seen of blade runner is the laser disc version I had growing up, but the main guy Rucker Hauer He's a replicant, yet at the very end of the movie, I do remember he saves the main character's life, which should be out of character for him because he's a replicant. That And that was supposed to show that he can go against, like... It, remember, this is middle school Sean memory now, so is yeah, that the show yeah, that he's going I, there's against? A lot of stuff, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like, the whole movie, basically the end of the movie is is basically a big... Is he really a replicant or is he not? Harrison Ford. No, I'm, well, I'm talking about like the. Well, no, no. So Rector you're talking Howard about the main go, guy. Yes. And this might not be the real ending. This is remember the laser disc. Well, no, version. you're right. That's exactly what you're saying. And and that question that you're asking was that was the intended response that they were trying to create. What I'm saying is they doubled down on that question of was he is he really a replicant or human enough kind of thing. They did that with Harrison Ford as well. But doesn't that take away from the ending by, if you think that he's a replicant, then that means Rucker Howe replicant just saved another of his kind instead of saving a human, which kind of negates the ending to the movie, right? There's a whole, I mean, we could go off on a whole tangent, but yes, I mean, those are the arguments that you're making have been made thousands, thousands, (laughs) thousands of times. And there's definitely evidence against what you're saying as well. So, I mean, it's, is it's up to interpretation. That's why Blade Runner is <laughs> it's its legacy is just long. So this movie reminded me of another movie I saw that took place in the late 80s, early 90s, and it was called Nemesis. Uh-huh. It's about a guy who discovers completely by accident that his boss or somebody in the government or somebody is a robot. And along the way, he discovers a huge conspiracy that robots for the last few years have been infiltrating positions of power in the government and other places to basically, I think they're trying to take over like a, an airplane that was going to house a lot of people going to the UN because they can take over everyone at once and like control the whole world. Basically, the whole plot is they're basically trying to infiltrate every country's government in the entire world to control the world as one unified country. 
and that guy stops them all and then there's a giant fight in a helicopter and then it explodes at the end whoever the boss robot is i don't remember all i remember is that it also had three direct to video sequels that almost seemed to take place in their own continuity because it had a whole new main character but that was the plot of nemesis that came out i want to say before this batman episode but i doubt that the people that made it watched this movie this movie is very forgotten. The only reason I know of it is existence because I picked it up for a dollar on VHS tape. It's not even had a DVD release or a Blu-ray release because the movie has been forgotten from time. That sounds crazy. And they could act so human, it was hard to tell that they had actually been infiltrated by robots. You're right, Thomas. This guy actually bears a resemblance to the scientists in the... The oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, too. it's all, it's all there so i just yeah, shared an image totally. with with them it's just showing that like you know i mean carl rossum was drawn to look just like uh william sanderson <laughs> wow. yeah so okay. but still i still understand why hardike went with the humanless gordon and mayor hill robots when he knew he could make the more human ones that just seems like the only flaw I, yeah, in the episode. i think that was just you know just a plot device because i that one stood out to me Okay, so Rhonda seems like the best implementation, but everyone after that just seemed extremely robotic. Like, well, they were made on the, the fly. Gordon it's one. not like they um, had a lot of time to gather a whole bunch of data or anything. So maybe it was so that lack of data. Well, maybe she was original. The Rhonda girl is like an original robot creation. So maybe she had a mind of her own. But then when he tries to copy other humans, they just can't do it correctly. And you get these people. Yeah, well, it was just Gordon. That's what stood out to me because it was just Gordon that was like that. So maybe he was rushed because Hardak does seem to imply on multiple instances that he needs to collect more data to accurately duplicate somebody. I don't remember any sequences really where they would have been able to get enough data for Commissioner Gordon. They just did it. And some of the other ones that they did, they also seemed dumb. But Harvey <laughs> Bullock in particular, he seemed like he was on the same level as 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 Rhonda because he had Harvey's mannerisms down like he came in he was like a dick to Batman like as usual like he's throwing the, the his uh toothpick at Batman <laughs> and it, it didn't it didn't seem odd to Batman it just seemed Batman responded as a, that's normal it took me by surprise because I didn't realize he would be a robot I was like oh crap they just killed a importantly dickish <laughs> character that so that's also that <laughs> sequence where you know harvey basically comes in and batman decides to leave and batman and batgirl are talking and harvey just like i need to speak with you batman and then they get in their whole scuffle and my girlfriend was actually watching it with me at the time and i'm just watching it and i'm like oh he's 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 gonna kill him batman does not hesitate so Bullet climbs on top of a building. So, so there's like a, another storage building basically on top of the, you know, a rooftop. Batman climbs on top of it. Bullet goes after him. Barbara throws a rope. It somehow attaches to Bullock. That gives Batman the opening to push him off the top of this building. And Batman doesn't hesitate at all. He basically is going to push this guy and he's going to break his neck. Batman only thinks he's knocking him down one story to the roof of the of the police precinct. See, see, that's the point that I, I don't think is true because there's no way somebody really would survive that or 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 live it, it without serious harm. Got electrocuted. <laughs> they mentioned that on the commentary that Batman kicks him off thinking he's human. He doesn't know 
well, he's a robot like the audience until so, so that, he's so, he, until he blows up in the bat signal. So yeah, That's so I think like Charlie too. So like, like Charlie and like my girlfriend, if you don't really know anything about Batman or the episode, if it's just a random thing that you saw, you think that Batman basically killed the guy either just alone by just kicking him off the roof but then we see what really happens where he kicks him into the big floodlight and he electrocutes it's basically a murder him. he's like <laughs> watched him like be electrocuted i'm like it didn't seem like nobody <laughs> really had any remorse for it and then and then well no you see barbara did you see barbara okay she yes that's right crying. you're right yes she so actually barbara, start, she's like so shocked she's crying she's like oh my god what have we done but Batman no, has no, no response. reaction from Bruce. <laughs> but but then the the writers conveniently get him off the hook. Oh, it was a robot all along. It's like you know, Batman doesn't kill. <laughs> we I knew like this is a character that's recurring and will be back. I'm like I know he doesn't die right here, but yeah, it was just like that seemed so final and yeah. and Bruce was okay with that. He's like yeah, I finally got that. Yeah. I still feel like in his mind he thought he was only him. following one story and didn't and just misjudged entirely where the bat signal was. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna write this off as just the same as like you know people have the same kind of critique with the Batman live action movies where you know people say Batman doesn't kill, but in that movie. <laughs> A lot of stuff that happens to the bad guys, those people aren't surviving what's happening to them. Well, yeah, that's because it's a movie. He doesn't have that morality in it. They never talk about not killing people when it comes to movies, superheroes, because the action movie needs you to kill everybody. So it's just always annoying when, you know, Spider-Man and Batman get these movies and they're not allowed to like and, well, and to I, live up to that. Well, one, I would say they probably didn't have to say that explicitly because Batman has been around for years, for mm -hmm. decades. So it, it was probably just understood. But then the other there's there's other elements of that movie where it you know it seems like Batman goes out of his way to like capture people. He doesn't just execute mm -hmm. them or it, he he tries to he's a vigilante, but he still tries to abide by the law. To me, that's enough of an implication to say that like okay, he's not just going around just murdering people because the cops <laughs> yeah. probably wouldn't stand for that. So one thing that does have to be mentioned is this is actually the first episode these two parters to feature Barbara Gordon in them. Right. So eventually she'll become Batgirl in the third season. This is season Spoilers. One. Yep. But this is the first episode where she's actually introduced and is a character in it. And, and you kind of need her, though, because one thing that's funny is they show like this bear that he has. So you see Gordon being embarrassed and, and being emotional about it. And that actually serves the purpose so that you can see how unemotional he is when he's replaced and can figure out that, oh, crap, something's not right here. And so... That's why she's able to call Batman and lead up to that fighting scene. And also why she goes herself in the second season to go break into this highly advanced corporation to try to like save her father and everyone. Yeah, I I definitely, it, it, you know, it was plot. And I I did think it was a, a good way to introduce her because you definitely see, you know, the foundation for her character as for, for why she would be likely to become a character well, not, I should say a character, because in-universe, in she isn't a character, but the type of person that would want to save people or be brave and be, put yourself in these kind of situations uh, to save lives and stuff like that. You see that from her as just a normal person. She's As a normal person, this, that's who she always was. And she does save Batman's life at the end. The building would have just collapsed and killed him if she hadn't gone back in there simply just to save his life, just because he didn't come out the building. 
She saved everybody. She saved everybody. Exactly. She saved. She (laughs) saved. She was mainly saving uh, her father's life, but then she happened to step into something that was a lot bigger. Well, at first, it looked like she was just going to be the damsel because she breaks in and gets captured. But then uh, Batman uses an opportunity to fight the robots and stuff, and she gets everyone out while he's fighting the robots. But she actually goes back in and saves Batman's life when he's just sitting there like the fumes are getting to him and he can't really move. And she's carrying him on his shoulder like the whole time till the door. So like he was going to just be in that collapsed exploding building if she hadn't gone in to get him. And I would say there's probably she probably helped Batman a little bit, just tipping him off as far as like Commissioner Gordon's not acting right. That's not my father. Something is up. You need Mm -hmm. to look deeper into this Batman. Kind Intelligence hates teddy bears. Get bears <laughs> out of my sight. Oh, bears. <laughs> just, he just whacks it with such intensity. Like, smack. This is where I, robot butt goes, there, bear. There's a bear in my seat. Whack. Oh, my God. That's me. <laughs> I saw that. I'm just like, why was that even necessary? Why would that be in your programming to, to respond like that? Because I'm like, okay, you don't care that much about this bear, but why are you going to go sit down and read this newspaper? What, sit on what, the bear. What, just like... <laughs> what are the holes in your programming that says this behavior is fine, but that behavior... <laughs> just get up with a Remember, a, Remember, a all behavior your... is, is fine. It's fine. It's it fine. would have been funny to see him walk away with a bear just stuck in his mechanical butt. <laughs> Goodness. So I just remember when I was a kid, there are two things I remember about these episodes. The first is Hardak's voice. I still remembered it when I watched it again, because I remember like his voice really stands out. And I think he's actually a very famous actor or voice actor. But uh, the way they yeah, modulate his he voice. Actually is in, he's in multiple episodes, even in the animated series, but he's done other stuff with like DC. He's in probably Project Beta too. It sounds like he that, probably that voice sounds very familiar. In he actually played an episode of the Batman, a more recent Batman show, where he plays as the voice of another robot called Dave. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, was there an adult joke in here where Bruce is talking to Lucius Fox? He says, oh, "I got a date with her tonight." And he's like, "So, you gonna squeeze some information out of her?" And Bruce is just looking squeeze. at him like, "I wouldn't say squeeze, like, because oh, that's what I'm gonna goodness. be doing with my hands." <laughs> wink, wink. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, "Jeez." And, and what followed, though? <laughs> like, I just met you in a kind of professional meeting, like five minutes ago. Date was that? Like, he asked her out for dinner, and I thought they were gonna go to a nice restaurant, but no. They have a picnic at Wayne's mansion in front of his fireplace. And she just like takes off her shoes, like sitting on the floor. They're like all casual. There's <laughs> wine and strawberries. I'm like, what? Was, was she going to sleep over? Did she bring her toothbrush? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I I just was shocked by that. I'm like, he brought her home. That, that's not dinner. <laughs> dinner on the floor in front of your fireplace like just catered by alfred and she's a robot quite the same that's been made to eat if you think about it because she wouldn't have just been there and been like not eating or else bruce would have been like why haven't you touched your food i thought he he was testing her i thought he knew something might be up and he just wanted to invite her over to really check her out but I think he thought there was going to be something. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, you're absolutely there. right. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yes, there there was definitely something else there because when he did, like, if he knew something up, he would not have left that robot he, he uh, in the mansion. He just left her in his house. Well, first of all, he knew, though, that she knew something about the theft of the the microchips. 
And right. um, I mean, knowing that, that she knows something about how his stuff was stolen from his company, I don't know why he would leave her in his house and just run off anyway, where he keeps all of his other Well, no, remember, it stuff. was stolen while she was at his house, so then he clearly thinks that she's not responsible anymore. Well, she's no, talking about earlier, the initial, the first yeah, the robbery. Initial oh, yeah. That brought him to um, Carl's... Um, to Carl, yeah. Because yeah. Carl, Carl knew some stuff. They both knew stuff, and that's how They knew Batman... stuff that hadn't been released yet from right. the, the police. So that... He he detected that immediately and was like, okay, well, and that was when he got interrupted. He's like, well, Miranda, tell me about, you know, why Carl already knew about my stuff that had been stolen, huh? <laughs> and then uh, the phone ring or something. He's like, okay, gotta go. Stay in my house and don't look into anything or push any buttons because, uh, yeah, got lots of secrets. And apparently he... <laughs> just has no security except for alfred he just well no because he doesn't expect anyone to just come in there and find it it's like a latch behind the clock you know so why did he bring oh well, in home? this case it was just a book it was just a book it was like okay. a pressure sensitive book she pulled off the shelf and it was just open okay it's just male biology just it's it's just animal instinct over brains or something. <laughs> hey, we're not all Batman. Batman Batman's a slut of his own making. So the one thing I have, I have a question for you guys. Was it possible in 1992 or even 2021 if someone is hacking my computer, can I quickly track them down and find out where they're hacking me from? Yeah. Good. <laughs> so so yeah, that that's not no, that's completely realistic i mean that's okay. that can happen it does happen that's why people go when they do that kind of stuff they go out of their way to like you know hide their location they do that from places <laughs> that's not that that yeah that's that can't be tied back to them kind of stuff um yeah because I mean, you're making that connection to them it's, it's two ways that's just how the internet works so yeah it it was pretty funny that uh so I guess really what what's movie magic about it is that Hardak knew that he was being traced and he could just break it <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> yeah, and Batman of course had a map already that was tracking to show him visually where, where the location yeah, was. Yeah, so that yeah, that's all that that's the movie element where they kind of play it up. <laughs> I was just wondering, like, I didn't know if you could actually do that in 1992, like if technology even existed to do that. Um, the the Gotham world aren't they just using like ARPANET anyway? I mean, aren't all of the real computers in the world disconnected? So. Well, so if <laughs> let's say that in, in 1992 there weren't a lot of people on the internet, so it wouldn't be that hard to kind of figure out. It, it it was probably just a visual search where okay, let me check this building. This building is known to have a computer hooked up to this this network. And it's probably just a visual representation of, okay, check this building or check this building kind of thing. Are we comparing hmm. this to 90s technology or to like more of the 19... I would say like... Art well, deco not, technology of, of <laughs> Gotham City. Because then I would just think he's patched into like some kind of, you know, proprietary military and I, yeah i'm thinking like I the 80s know, like, like the police they, system or something what they have in gotham is probably like 80s internet <laughs> <laughs> i would think it, it would have a finite number of hosts wouldn't be like you know tons of stuff on there and you probably could track down specific computers if anybody was using anything or mm -hmm. but 
that's just my assumption to not have any more questions about <laughs> the technology. <laughs> well, one thing I thought was interesting is Batman is like, all right, it's okay to kill robots. It's not like they're people, even though earlier in the episode or in the previous episode, they had a will of their own. And like, I know robot Gordon and stuff don't have a personality, but it seems like Hardak and Rossum's girl robot have personalities, but he just, you know, blows them up too because they're robots. So, well, just maybe, I mean, in, at least from the, the third episode, Batman draws the line at, do you have a soul? If you don't have a soul, it doesn't matter if you have a will. Because <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I always remembered from this episode was the way that the robot girl stands up as the elevator is coming down. And apparently she doesn't know it's coming down. She just slowly stands up. And right as she stands up and is about to go and attack Batman, bam, the elevator just falls and crushes her, her completely. completely. Yeah. I was happy. I didn't like Randa. <laughs> Manipulating. She was taking your man, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> She's just following orders. It was just her programming. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what Hardak's plan actually was. And so basically, he's like, this human's plan was sound, but humans make errors. He basically says, I'm going to replace... All humans. He doesn't. He's not going to replace all humans. It seems like he's just going to replace people in power that make the decisions so that humans won't actually make stupid decisions. He'll be in charge. He's only going to replace the people that make the decisions, i.e. politicians, the head CEOs, things like that, so that then he can make the good decisions, in his mind, the good decisions that will make people happy and be able to live a life without human error. Sense. But who knows? That could change as he learned more about the humans. Well, no. What it, it, he says he wants to replace all humans. He he, he said didn't it. actually say that specifically. So he said it. He so what he wanted to do was he wanted to start with just the smarter people, the people who make the decisions. Because he, I guess I forget who he was talking to and arguing with. I think it was Alfred. So Alfred was telling him that that would be like <laughs> humans wouldn't stand for that thing. So Hardak oh, was yeah. basically saying they wouldn't stand for that thing but i i'm gonna i'm gonna get the humans that could control the rest of the humans and replace them uh, the people in power he's gonna he's gonna start with them first the, before he eventually this... yeah he was saying that they, the humans would not willingly work in his factory replacing themselves well you're talking about the third episode i'm talking about clearly on the first two episodes he only has that one line where he's gonna replace the humans because I, I i was trying to listen to it and i'm just like all he says is he's, humans make bad decisions, human errors, so I'm going to replace... He doesn't actually describe what his plan is in detail, so it's hard to make out if he's actually going to replace all humans or just the ones in power to make decisions for humans. Oh, uh, is, well, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the second episode because uh, I think it's actually with, with Barbara or with Rossum. Rossum, because he was saying... Because I think Rossum was there when he was saying that this plan was initially Rossum's plan, but he just improved on it. Rossum didn't want to replace all humans. He didn't want to go that far, but he said, I'm willing to go that far. Yeah. Okay. I just, for some reason, I misinterpret. I feel like Hardak was just trying to replace the humans in power so that he could make decisions for the stupid humans that don't know how to make decisions for themselves. I don't know if it's more clear in the, uh, in the Silicon Soul episode, if he's actually going to, you know, destroy and all honestly, humans or whatnot. But honestly, I don't even know why did he have to go that far? I mean, why did he, if he felt like, robots were better than humans in certain regards why not just make the robot robotic versions of those humans and let the other humans be like why can't they just go off and live on this new society 
Because because he are you questioning he, what every sci-fi movie in the last one hundred years has done, Thomas? Where we must improve humans and not make our own robot society. We have to be the bad guy for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm questioning all of it, all of it, all hundred years of that stuff. <laughs> so uh, there was one thing I thought that kind of was just really stupid at the end, where Rossum is just like, man. What's his name has gone too far, and the mayor Hill's like, "Well, the courts will decide." I'm like, F- "You, this guy's like whole life research is gone. His house exploded. The house is also his company, so his company's exploded. Guy's got nothing left." And you're just like, "Oh, the courts will decide, my good chap." Oh my goodness, I miss that. That's hilarious. What is that? Why is <laughs> he bringing that garbage in here? That. Go home. We don't need you. <laughs> Man, Mayor Hill's such an. I never liked him in the Batman show. No, I never liked him. He was never a likable character. I never <laughs> liked him. So do you guys have anything else to say about Heart of Steel 1 and 2? Yeah, to add on another stupid thing that I'm just like, what's going on? Initially, I just kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird, but whatever. So Batman, after after <laughs> the robotic suitcase steals the equipment and shoots the rocket, Batman decides he's just going to go to the top of his building he just conveniently has the bad hang glider hanging there and somehow he's able to fly not glide fly and follow this robot all the way to close to where the cybertron industries was or, oh, or yeah, basically where right. the briefcase was which the, to the me that was just kind of ridiculous it's like why <laughs> why do they have this hang glider that doesn't make any sense why is he using that Oh, yeah, because he not only leaves the city, he's somehow following all the way outside the city, right? Yes. How is he able to carry himself well, that Do you far? know how tall Wayne Tower is? Huh? Maybe he could get there from the top of Wayne Tower. Uh, it is whatever. probably the biggest building in Gotham. Whatever. So, so how is he going to get back home? Powered hang glider? He's going to walk and hitchhike with his black glider on behind him. Oh, my God. He's going he's gonna to go back, go in the elevator, then put it back in the hiding spot. He's got cars, you know, hidden everywhere, too. Like, you know, he has secret rooms and he's got little secret garages, you know, just all around the town. He can summon (laughs) the Batmobile and the Batplane with his utility belt. So he could have just, you know, called that for a ride home. So he, why did, so yeah, he could have done that. He could have did that from the start. Why this well, no, dumb glider thing? Because it would have taken a few minutes for that plane to get it here from the Bat Cave. Oh, whatever. The glider was the glider is able to keep up with a missile. He had hey, to keep do you want another episode where the Bat plane is exploded and then we cut to commercial as he's fallen, or do you want him falling off Bat glider into the jagged rocks below? So. Yeah. Hey, I don't care because I, we... I actually moved past it initially until the second episode where he's using the glider again. And I'm just like, why do they keep going back to this dumb glider? I was just thinking, like, did they just, you know, did they release a, a bat glider toy around the same time? And they just really wanted to push this glider thing. Well, all of that, all that would have been fixed is if because Alfred's working on the bat, the Batmobile at the beginning of the episode, I think. If this is the right episode, they could have just had some throwaway line where Alfred can say the repairs on the bat plane are still unfinished or something like that. Boom. Problem solved. Yeah. I mean, that would have helped. That would have helped. <laughs> but they didn't go that way. They decided we're going to go into this closet and pull out this regular hang lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything to add, Charlie? Well, I was wondering if. They show him falling at the rocks, you know, for the commercial break. Well, after the commercial break, he's kind of like on the beach, kind of holding his head like, oh, and he's next to his um, glider. And you kind of just wonder, did he hit the rocks or? 
you can't really tell. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess as a kid, you'd be happy that Batman is still okay. <laughs> but... It looks Batman. You'd just be like, well, he survived because <laughs> he's Batman. Not <laughs> So I just have two quick things I just want to throw out there that I just want to acknowledge that these two episodes had some animation things that I just thought were very entertaining. Just just small details like in the first episode when Batman's going after the suitcase robot, he falls into the elevator and instead of the door staying open or he just immediately popping out, they actually animate the doors closing and Batman putting his hand into the door to stop the doors from closing the door slowly open. And then he, then he decides to walk out. It just, it just stood out to me. Like, why did they have to animate that whole sequence? Like, why was that all necessary? Um, there was another nice animation of uh, in the second episode where the elevator was falling down. And then we get the perspective of basically it falling from floor to floor to floor. It really had a strong sense of speed that I really appreciated. Oh yeah. That was a good scene. One line that I like from Batman when Barbara was pleading to him, Batman's going to walk away and he turns around to her and says, please let go of my cape. And his, his dry Batman voice. I just thought that was, that was pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. Oh yeah. That was yeah. a... <laughs> but the one thing that cannot go unmentioned after they were saved and they were walking out of the building, Rossum, Bullock, Mayor Hill, and Gordon. So apparently it seemed like Gordon got the worst of it. He needed to be carried out by Carl. And they're walking down the hallway. One of the trash can robots spots them and decides to shoot a laser at them. He shoots the laser straight in the Jim Gordon's face with a laser. <laughs> and Jim Gordon, is he's, he's clearly already reeling from what he's going through. And he's immediately knocked out again. Gordon, it was just kind of crazy that he just gets blasted in the face. Because okay, the other two are walking themselves, not even helping. Yeah, they're they just walking help. normally. And <laughs> no, one of them does help carry Gordon. Yeah. Uh, Carl's carrying him. Yeah, and yeah, because Mary Hill can't be normally. bothered. So, uh, yeah, so it was just <laughs> it was just kind of funny how he just gets shot in the face, and then the robot decided, oh, he's the weakest one of the pack. I got to kill for him. <laughs> I well, just I think they needed to do that because if you had Barbara go back in while he was still conscious, he would have tried to stop her. And then well, what you could have, well, you could do what happens in every other show where like the the guy who's weak tries to stop whoever from going, but then he succumbs to the pain and stuff. He can't really reach out and call out and stop them. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could have just did that, but I yeah. guess they decided, you know, this is an opportunity to shoot Jim in the face. <laughs> you know what? We we failed to mention like the the technology that robots were employing, you know, in the like oh the, yeah, you know what? Your right. robot was yes, very cliche. Actually, you know what? That's <laughs> that we have to mention that because that's basically ties. These episodes tie to the, our podcast of Transformers. Mm -hmm. right. the The name of the industries that Carl Rossum worked at was Cybertron Industries. Cybertron <laughs> Industries, <laughs> and the exact that. same spelling. Oh. It's it's Cybertron Industries. And yeah. to tie in it to a little bit more, a few trash can robots that are roaming in Cybertron Industries, and they transform. They're transformers. They transform trash cans to uh, squiggly Giant robots. killer robots. Yeah. Oh. oh. So you see them transform from the trash can into the robot form, and you see them transform from the robot back into the trash can. That's and you right. also see the uh, the giant cylinder block in his office that transforms into a coffee machine. Oh, the, yep, that's right. And oh yeah, <laughs> uh, the cappuccino. <laughs> that was the worst. That was like the worst ever cappuccino idea. And the foot massager. Come on, you'd have to keep that a cup creepy. in there at all times. <laughs> the uh, yeah. Okay, that was that's all I had. So anything else, Charlie? Before we end the episode. 
suitcase robot. Did anybody feel like you know, the laser from the eye was kind of cliche? And well, it also felt too much. Other... Like it's got a rocket inside. I was like, what? Yeah, you know, like what technology is this? Like they've just barely got a giant computer with. Yeah. But then of course we got androids. We got rocket briefcases. We even have micro robots with the the compact the makeup case that she leaves to hack the computer in there. Like the um, hookshot thing that it fires. There, there was absolutely no the the legs. Have a rocket that could just the legs be were mechanical. extremely strong and articulating. Yeah. They were <laughs> they were they were able to claw into the floor and hold its ground. Uh, yeah. The built-in yeah. vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, of all things to gather, I guess that was the most efficient way. I was like, well, I mean, it could have had pinchers or something, but hey, I uh, guess a vacuum cleaner takes it all at once, and okay. <laughs> if it was like real to scale. Hardak is basically like this giant room of computers because it's supposed to be like a 1950s kind of thing. Then that briefcase robot should have been the size of a car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How how did they have technology to create the duplicates, but they still have to have giant supercomputers? Which, in a way, I guess technically makes sense. I mean, you know, even today, supercomputers are still pretty big. I mean, you know, technology advances, but they're you know they're still complicated problems to solve where. Even though we have super fast chips, we still need to have a bunch of them. So, <laughs> Well, cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be back here to look at the final part in this trilogy uh, where we look at his silicon soul, where a robot Batman comes to life. Good night. See you. Charlie, you can say bye. Bye. Bye, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs>